To moving iron podcast markets with sean hackett sean how you doing this morning pretty good mr casey really good good deal man well sean hackett is, is with hackett financial and his office is down in boca raton florida and if it's not raining real hard down there it's uh getting warm so it sounds like you guys have had a bit of a warm spell come through there this this time of the year for this time of the year anyway that's it's summertime heat normally we get our first cool down and uh we're not getting it it's just um Pretty hot. It's for uh, I, mean, I haven't seen that this hot this late in a long time, at least for Florida. And you know, we're we're in this different pattern than the rest of the country. So we strange things happen down here. <laughs> yep, that is Florida. So yeah, you're right. <laughs> All right, man. Let's let's jump into a few things here. So there have been several reports out this week. Um, <clears throat> of course, Monday every Monday the Harvest Progress report comes out. What that looks like, and you talk about. A, a really slash in the face of, of of crop harvest. I mean, there's just so many things going on right now that are delaying, you know, getting the crop cut. And, and most of it has really nothing to do with weather. It has everything to do with, a lot of it to do anyway, uh, with the overall just maturity of the crop. So, um, you know, I, I guess here in Nebraska, I, I think the soybeans are the only thing that are uh, – that are pretty much on pace. I think it was like 60% in Nebraska, and their five-year average is about 65%. But most places, everywhere else throughout the corn and soybean belt, were uh, about halfway where they should be this time of the year. So talk about the market's reaction to that, and, and what do you see as pressures because of those reports? Well, I mean, what we are harvesting, you know, we're trying to get a handle on what is the yield relative to what the USDA has been saying. And we do know that the earlier uh, harvesting uh, acres should be better than the ones we start harvesting later. And what we're seeing overall is that the yields are coming in, generally speaking, from what we see uh, coming in below expectation from what the USDA currently has as the estimates. If you go on a state-by-state, county-by-county basis, and you kind of look at the general trends, it looks like that the better yields are coming in a little bit below what was expected. And so we can think that the worse yields that will be coming later on in harvest should do the same. And so that's the expectation is that the USDA is going to have lower yield in their November supply demand report, which is the first report that they're actually going to have at least some real data to go by to provide yields. And so we think that as we get closer to uh, that date, the market's going to probably, you know, start putting uh, putting some premium in uh, and trying to trying to lower those yields may come in. So that's kind of what we're seeing, you know, right now. Yeah. Okay. So that kind of leads into the, into the next kind of weather based um, question I have for you. Uh, I was reading your smart money report you send out, and folks, if you if you if you can get one of these smart money reports sent to you by Sean, it, they're worth the read because they're just chock full of great information. But there is, uh, you had something here you're talking about South American weather. And basically, Argentina and uh, Western Brazil uh, were going to be, um, they've been very cold right now, which really affects planting and, 
and emergence and all the stuff that come along with that. And on top of that, they they have some potential to be cold and dry, which is even another, even a bigger, <clears throat> a bigger anomaly that comes out with that. And then on to even make things worse, on the eastern side of Brazil, you're looking at warm weather that could have some some moisture, but it's still going to be on the dry side. So that could do a lot of things for the overall corn and soybean market just based on if they're having some struggles right now down in Brazil getting stuff and Argentina getting stuff planted and emerged. Well, we talked about this uh, that we talked about this a few times ago that um, we had this stratospheric warming event uh, over Antarctica, over the South Pole. Um, and that this would likely force what's called the Antarctic Oscillation to go steeply negative. This means that the southern jet stream gets very north to south, very loopy. It's, we talked about how this is what the polar vortex in the northern hemisphere is all about. And we are getting this plunge now in the AAO. In fact, based upon the model estimates, it could be the most, uh, it could be a record negative AAO heading into November. And that means that we're going to get extreme weather volatility, cold against heat. So you just said Argentina, West Brazil, very, very cold. I mean, it's been well below normal for the last 30 days. But on the other side, on East uh, Brazil, we're looking at very warm temperatures, but an overall dry pattern. And so planting's behind right now from a year ago for normal. Uh, as you said, emergence is way behind. And it does not look like we're going to see any change to this pattern, at least until the end of November. And so not only does that cause all kinds of problems, what we just mentioned, but in Brazil, they have second crop uh, corn and sec second crop beans that they plant in January and February. And if you have a late developing crop in soybeans, for example, in the Western regions where, where they grow most of the soybeans, it'll delay the planting for the second crop. So I guess the point we're trying to make is that last year we had perfect weather, perfect conditions. Everything was great. They had huge crops. This year we're seeing exactly the opposite. All kinds of problems, weather not being right, everything not happening the way it's supposed to be. And we like looking at something called vegetative health. It's called the VHI index. And it tells you what the satellite picture of the vegetative health is for the for a region. And what we like to look for is what is the current vegetative health relative to what it was last year. And we put a chart, as you know, Casey, in our report this week, that showed brown all over Brazil and in the key grain belt of Argentina, suggesting that the vegetative health, how the crops are looking right now that are emerging, are way, way behind from what they were last year. And so we're really setting up for crops that are going to be under pressure and not make that perfection. And and we don't know how bad they're going to be yet, but we don't think they're, the, uh, you know, these bin-busting crops that the Chinese, by the way, have been counting on to buy large imports and, pre and prevent from having to buy from us. So this adds a, a, an interesting element to the equation that we think, we think markets will start reacting to this by, we think mid-November onward is when they really start to react to this. Still a little early to the market to do it just quite yet, but we think it'll be a big market mover later in the year. Yeah. Okay, so now let's let's throw one more thing into the mix here. In your smart money report, you had a really good 
uh, section there about the U.S. dollar and that you're starting to see some, some bearish uh, um, trends start to show up uh, for the overall value of the dollar, which means that the value of the dollar could be coming down at, at a very key time um, when you start looking at the, in, the stuff we see happening with the weather, with harvest progress, those different things that it could really ramp up some of our export business. Absolutely. I mean, throughout history, uh, Casey, U.S. prices react positively when the dollar is moving down and they react negatively when the dollar is moving up, not only because exports become either competitive or non-competitive, but also because we lose the transitional benefit or we gain the benefit based upon international price. We look at something called the broad dollar index. Uh, the U.S. dollar index that people watch, that's the futures, that trade on futures, is mainly the euro and a little bit of the yen, but we like looking at the broad dollar index that the Federal Reserve puts out every week that goes over uh, the dollar against the Chinese currency, against the Brazilian real, and a whole host of other currencies that are important to ag market. And we, over the last month, marginally highs on that index and have since turned back down below it. This is a pattern we see very often. It's called a breakout failure reversal lower sell signal. And we triggered a weekly sell signal last week. What we're now looking for is for the weekly close to do the same, which would be, you know, the end of next week. And these patterns usually are very reliable, uh, very powerful when they occur. And so it's something we're watching very closely because if it does uh, translate and follow through into a major dollar bear trend at a time that we have smaller crops and it looks like South America's going to have smaller crops, you know, you could have quite a, uh, you know, quite a tailwind going on multiple fronts for higher U.S. prices. So that's really something we have not had the luxury of for a long time as a bearish dollar trend, but we may be about to see that. Right on. All right. Last thing here, African swine fever is uh actually kind of made the news again. I haven't seen an article about African swine fever for quite a while. Um, and it is basically, the article that I read was out of AgWeb. And for all intents and purposes, it said that it's the it's not going anywhere. And there's no real end in sight or relief in sight anyway, for that matter. Um, the, the Chinese pig population has just been devastated by it. It's pretty much spread across all of all of southern asia and now it's down in the philippines and across uh, the other pretty much oceanic areas of of the of the world i guess but the hog market is not at all really it's, there's just not a big reaction to anything that we see going there now even with the with the pork exports that we've seen yeah we've seen some big jumps and we've seen a few things here day over day but there's not been a real you know, like a steady climb. You think there'd be more of a, of a steady kind of upward trend instead of these big up and downs that we're seeing all the place. So talk about what's happening in the pork market right now uh, with African swine fever. Well, I think, I think there's probably three things going on. One is I think psychologically, um, as you said, we've seen so many ups and downs and downs and ups and ups and downs, but we have not had what we would call a, a, a steady bull trend that traders have been gun shy trying to play this thesis. Um, and, and, and that's one thing. I, I think the other thing is that the Chinese have been unequal buyers and they come in with a blaze of glory and buy, you know, astronomical amounts and then they just go away and they buy very little. Remember, we have a lot of pork we're producing right now in the U.S., record yeah. amount. Yeah. And 
we, we need to have steady buying by the Chinese or else we have too much pork. So they're, maybe they're purposely playing this game of chicken so that they can continue to buy more pork at cheaper levels and continue to run it up. Um, you know, maybe, maybe that's their strategy uh, to continue to buy a lot and walk away, buy a lot and walk away until you know, maybe they eventually just have to keep buying. Um, and thirdly, uh, I, I would say that um, uh, the other factor that's probably going on here is there's some concern uh, that demand destruction going on in China for pork, uh, not only not available, not only because it's unaffordable, uh, because a lot of the Chinese citizens are just not wanting to buy pork or feed pork that's infected with African swine fever for their family. And so we're seeing chicken demand going through the roof. We're seeing beef demand going through the roof. We're seeing fish demand going through the roof. And so there's a, there's a concept that maybe you know, the demand that we've seen domestically for pork in China maybe is permanently hurt uh, in favor of these other protein markets. And so I think that'd be another factor that is keeping the market away. But we want to the other thing we want to kind of focus you know, everyone on is this. While there has been, there's a tremendous amount of pork being produced now, and there will be into the end of the year, there's going to be a, a substantial fall off in the first quarter. And there will not be enough uh, pork in the first quarter, even if the Chinese you know, buy, you know, don't buy blistering amounts of pork. And so we think if we were looking at a time that the pork price or the, the hog price could actually have a more sustainable into and through the first quarter uh, when the U.S. does not have, you know, just boatloads of pork to ship. So that's that we would focus on that area is maybe a time when this back and forth trend may change. Okay. Now, the other side of that, <clears throat> just how, how much economics tie into everything that we see here, especially when it comes to cotton. Um, we talked about last week when you're on here that the Federal Reserve had had announced uh, QE4, and that was you know they're pumping a bunch of of uh, currency back into the marketplace. Um, I can't remember the number, like sixty billion a month or something ridiculous. Eighty billion a month, I think. Eighty eighty billion a month, big number, more number. They're going to pump more money into the market in a year than all or in a month than I'll ever see in my lifetime. So. Um, Stuff like that. So this cotton market now has kind of reacted to that a little bit, and and you're starting to see that what the seasonal bullishness that we would see this time of the year anyway is basically, according to your smart money report, is um, kind of being stretched out a little bit into into March and April time frame as far as what that looks like. Nothing nothing crazy, but just like a slow grind up. So talk about what you see in the cotton market right now. Yeah. We've had a slow grind from the mid-50s to the mid-60s. You don't even know it's even moved, but it's moved 10 points, which is pretty significant. Right. Um, if we're right about this dollar technical sell signal pattern developing, I mean, you you know, cotton is extremely export-oriented. I mean, we export the majority of our cotton to the rest of the world. If the weaker dollar develops, you know, it would be super helpful for making U.S. cotton exports more competitive. And we think that's likely to happen on top of it. You know, we've continued to talk about the production expectations from two months ago and now have been greatly reduced because of really unusual weather that we've had from frost risks in Texas that we've had, the flooding troubles in Gujarat and India. Um, and so when you, when, you, when you throw that in uh, to the mix against a accommodative monetary policy of QE4, and it looks like they're going to lower interest rates again here at the next federal meeting, 
you know, one has to be pretty optimistic that this grinding higher trade is probably going to continue uh, until at least the seasonal pattern tends to end, which is around March, you know, is when the is when the season ends. So we think we can grind our way once again, not this massive, huge runaway bull market, but grind our way higher into the low 70s. And that price does work for U.S. producers. Um, and so we, we're pretty optimistic that the U.S. cotton producer is going to get an opportunity to sell at a level that will work for him and he can pay his bills. Right on. Well, that's good because that's that was uh, that was a bright spot when in the uh, kind of the when corn and soybeans first started taking their taking their dive down, cotton shot way up, and now it's kind of leveled off and everything's kind of just just there right now. Um, but speaking of which, you know, sugar looks like it is taking has really kind of got a boost you know there's some weather events going on there um looks like in china their uh the sugar prices have rallied over 20 percent uh, over the last six months the u.s price has stayed the same but it looks like china might be coming into the u.s market to get some sugar yeah sugar is a little it's a little uh, uh complicated in terms of you know the, the chinese just can't go out and buy whatever they want they have to get the approval from the government to do so. So they have amount of sugar quotas that they're given, but that, but if they feel the need, they issue increased sugar quotas to go buy more sugar. And because the price of sugar's rallied 20%, and when you look at the price of sugar in China and the futures market uh, on the US, you know, the US futures market, uh, they tend to correlate fairly well within a slight delay. So we think that with this big disparity, we're gonna see the Chinese issuing new import quotas of which you know, they would start buying quite a bit more sugar uh, from places like Brazil and India and such forth, driving the futures market higher. And so we're pretty optimistic that that big jump um, you know, in sugar prices in China is indicative of more to come. And we know that the India sugar crop is going to be down 15 to 20 percent and the Thailand sugar crop is going to be down 15 to 20 percent due to bad weather, which are the two, you know, big players as well on top of Brazil. So everything points to you know, higher prices ahead, especially if we get this weaker dollar. You know, that always helps the sugar market, which is highly Brazil-centric, just like for your soybeans. You know, real is a very important currency relative to the U.S. futures market. So we're, we're pretty optimistic in our smart money indicator. The capital flows that we monitor for the insiders in the sugar market are giving very bullish signals. They're betting heavily on higher prices over the next three to six months. Right on. All right, Sean, good stuff as usual. Man, lots of stuff going out there. And uh, I tell you what, the weather's really driving the market potential right now. I mean, you look across the board, and there's nothing out there that's not being at least touched by the weather in some way, shape, or form. So good information, great time for people to, to really kind of buckle down and take a look at what they got going on. So if folks want to reach out to you, Sean, what's the best way to do that? Uh, our website at hack, H-A-C-K-E-T-T advisors.com you know on our on our you know homepage we have all kinds of information and uh, if they like what they see you know, they certainly can uh, you know try a sample or uh, you know get some kind of a, uh, a set of free trial with us and see what we do might help them with with their business right on all right sean well thanks for being on the podcast i'm casey seymour moving iron podcast and you can find me on uh, you can find the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, Spotify, and the Global Ag Network. You can also check out my social media stuff on uh, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. So until next time, Sean, take care of yourself. We'll talk to you again next week. Sounds good, Casey.
Take care. Moving higher in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving higher time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here.